Welcome back, my kindred, to Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast. I am Sylvania Dracul, your host through this world of darkness. After a threat from the pyramid, the coterie went to a crime scene. Doris was overwhelmed by what had happened in the virgin woodshop and hid in Cherry's trunk. Evangeline struggled with memories of her kidnapping but found strength bringing Costas to the night church. And Everett's beast caused him to lash out at Val, pushing their relationship to the brink. What will happen now that Everett, filled with the desire to do violence, has discovered five extra bodies in the on-site freezer trucks? Abandoned home. All ye who listen here. Evangeline. Having finished uh, your conversation on the phone with Val, you head into the night church with Costas holding his arm because due to his fear and general malaise, he has the physical presence of an elderly man, despite the fact that he is, in fact, a very strong Nosferatu. As you enter inside this church, it is a riot of color. It is the opposite of what you would expect from these traditional old buildings. There are religious symbols of every religion you can imagine, as well as several that you've never heard of and a bunch that seem ancient. It is just a rainbow spray of all faiths, uh, all welcoming everything else. But there are the old wooden Catholic church benches Mm. leading up to the traditional stone altar. Though again, covered in flowers, covered in sculptures, some clearly done by children, some by professionals. It's, It's a real riot of a space. And a figure turns around standing by the altar. Looking at her, she's got a Megan Rapinoe vibe with the, with the, the shock of Mm -hmm. hair just to the side jeans, just a black, button-up shirt, short sleeve with the traditional kind of priestly collar, for lack of a better term. And she says, oh, welcome. Welcome to the night church. Come on in. Come on in. It's nice to meet you. I'm Sister Kurt Hamid, and who do you be, and why are you here? Um, uh, s- sister, I- I'm, um, I- I'm, a- I'm Evangeline Clark. Uh, you may know me from formerly, the, you know, the news and weather, and uh, I'm uh, I'm, I'm a sheriff's deputy now, um, and and this is this is Costas, uh, and hello, she will speak for me. I'm very scared. Um, and this is Percy, is because Percy okay in here? And Percy kind of like peeks out from behind my legs. Oh yes, we we love animals in here. Take take a seat, take a seat, friends. Take a seat, and you realize that there are the pews, but there are also folding chairs right by the door. This is a very casual atmosphere. There's none of the stuffiness you would expect mm. from a traditional church. You have an option to sit in pews. She can pull up a chair for you if you don't want to go too far too far in. Well, what, what's your vibe seating wise? Uh, 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 look at <laughs> look to Casas. Evangeline is just like so doesn't know what to do. Like she, she's the one who like went to like probably an Anglican, let's say Anglican church, like as a kid, there was just, she never felt involved. Uh, And now, you know, with this whole like after post human life on death, weird thing that she's going through. I don't, uh, a church is weird. Um, all right, uh, well, it, it seems like you're having a tough night. Why don't you take a seat here in the back row? And she just walks over to the closest pew and has both of you sit down there. 
and she grabs a folding chair and sets it next to the pew, but you're all facing in the same direction. So there's not really like a boss of this conversation. She's very much trying to equalize with yeah. you. And just says, so what, what brings you here this evening? Um, well, Costas here wanted to, uh, to come here. Uh, you said yeah. so did she, we were both very emotionally troubled. Um, yeah, uh, did you, 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 you heard about that, uh, that massacre? Yes. Um, it's a very sad thing. I had a number of prisoners speak about how uncomfortable it made them. Uh-huh. Well, I was there. Uh, and Evangeline's just kind of like sitting. She's like, she, she's sitting and as she's talking, she's just kind of playing with her uniform, just like flattening it out, just like, you know, folding her hands and switching her cell phone to different pockets to figure out which one works the best. Uh, very distracted. Um, and, and Sister uh, Kurt is just watching you in like a still very calm, very present way. There's no expectation from her, but she's giving you all the time you need. Um, Evangeline just very slowly says, um, uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how much, you, like, you're supposed to be able to, like, I don't know, you're like a, I don't know, are you, like, old school, like, priests, like, could tell you stuff, and, like, you don't tell other people, and you're, like, you could take anything, and you're, like, yeah, it's fine. All right, yeah, why don't we clarify this right in front? Well, first of all, not a priest, that's technically impossible, I'm a woman, and I'm gay, so not really welcome in that church or any other church, which is why I started this church on my own. Then it turned out the supernatural was real, so I figured, well, they've got to be God's children as well. So we kind of don't match any other church. Everyone's welcome. I'm here to tend to your spiritual needs as we're all children of some higher power. I assume if there's a Satan, there's probably a God of some kind, but I haven't seen either super actively. So I'm here to help of any faith, of any being, of any lifestyle. And yeah, if you want to share things with me, I'm a lockbox. That's the deal. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and Evangeline, she's she's sure not, she's not sure exactly what she wants to tell. Um, I think, I think there's, there's still like some concern in the back of her mind. It's like, do I need a lawyer present for this stuff? Like... <laughs> She did. She did some stuff, um, even though it like all got sorted out. Like I think she still like feels nervous about the whole thing. So um, she's just gonna stick to a. Can you roll me what she can? A composure. Uh, just composure, actually, straight composure. Just composure. Sure. Yeah. I have to get my dice out. Ah. <laughs> In a shocking twist, we're using dice today. <laughs> what? Okay, composure and just composure? Just composure. Okay. Where's my hunger at? All right. Uh that's two successes. Man, Sister Kurt, real good. Uh she's just like, <laughs> I can tell it seems like you're afraid that I'm gonna send you to the police or somehow there'll be punishment if you tell me things. 
that's not how this works. I'm here for you to be able to talk, to be able to share and to help you how I can. But more importantly, to just be a sounding board. You can share whatever you need to. This is, I mean, I hate to say this is the kind of church we all hope an actual church should be in real life. But that's kind of what I'm aiming for. Okay. 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 And Evangeline looks to Costas to see if if he's reassured by this. This does seem reassuring to me. <laughs> okay. Uh he, here's the here's the thing. Um Costas and I were were taken uh, against our will. Uh you know, it's some things happened, bad people made us do things we didn't want to do. Uh, uh, you know, I wasn't in control of myself. I killed some, someone. Um, uh, it's, uh, you know what? It's honestly, it's nothing. Like it's, this is just kind of what, what life, life is now, right? That's just. I don't think that's nothing. I would say, realistically hearing your story, I'd say, Jesus fucking Christ, that's terrible. I'm so fucking sorry that that happened to you. Do you want to drink? And she takes out a flask. Uh, and <laughs> eventually it was like almost in tears, like someone saying that they were sorry that happened, like, uh, like, whew. Uh, and at the flask, she just says, Oh, oh, yes, please. Oh, please, yes. Okay, well, then you take this. Uh, and she she unscrews this t- the top and gives it to you. And then unscrews another one that she's drinking from. And you realize when you smell yours that it's actually liquor-laced blood. So for a vampire, oh. it's a comfortable drink. It's not like you're going to have to try to choke this down mm. as a being. But in Vampire the Masquerade, the one way you can actually feel alcohol or drugs is if it is in the blood of a mortal that is intoxicated ah. in some sense, so you get the actual effect. This is a surprisingly classy thing from this very uh, abnormal preacher, preacheress, nun. Uh, the, the religious terms that involve any kind of gender are really problematic. Uh, but she looks at you and just says, I'm so sorry that this has happened to you. There's nothing you did that made you deserve this. There's nothing you did that makes this in any way your fault. This wasn't you. This was them. Whoever the fuck this was, I hope... Uh, to say this politically, I hope the Lord took them to him and then cast them down somewhere else really hmm. quickly. That would speak to me as a person. <laughs> right. But this wasn't your doing. And it seems like you're no, trying to, to normalize mean, it, which is reasonable. You know, I came, I came here and, and, you know, brought my, brought my husband here. And brought my dog here. And apparently I'm supposed to be <laughs> protecting people. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, uh, we all saw your speech the other night. I feel like a lot of people feel protected because of what you've said. And yeah, you moved here, but that doesn't mean you signed up to be mind controlled and then forced to murder people. This isn't medieval times, you know, where people are like, oh, that whole village died because I don't know. It was nighttime and not a thing like it's a big deal when these things happen. And I don't know how this involves 
if it involves your husband and your dog directly or indirectly, but having things you care about doesn't mean you've signed up to have bad things happen to you. Okay. Okay. Look, all right. I can intellectually, I can understand what you're saying, but Look, I haven't I haven't been here that long. And I'm just feeling this is this is just life now. And this is gonna happen again. Who's to say it's not gonna happen again? And I don't know that I can go through something like that again. Well, I guess there's there's two different questions there. One is is this going to happen again? It, just because it's happened before doesn't mean it'll happen again. And it doesn't mean that you won't be prepared differently. And you've there, there's no triteness of saying, well, you've gone through it once a second time, it's going to be fucking great. Because it's not true. That sounds like a hellish experience that no one should have ever suffered through. And it's so strong of you to be here and be talking about it at all. But it doesn't mean it's going to happen again. You're a different person now than you were then. You're going to have different preparations. You're going to be someone else. In a yeah, good just, way, I don't, not the easiest way. I just don't really like who I am now. Well, who do you want to be? I want to be who I was. Yes, that makes sense. But also... There's no rewinding the videotape that is our life. I'm aware I'm dating myself with this reference, but there's no rewinding. We keep moving forwards and we change who we are. If you've become a perfect person, congratulations. I don't think you live here anymore. Now you're a god and you're floating around and I'll have one of the kids make you a statue. But until then, you're going to keep changing. So it's just what do you want to change towards? And making active choices to try to think of yourself like a hedge you're going to grow no matter what i'd love it if my hedges didn't grow because then they'd always look the way i want them to do but they keep growing but if i prune them i can make them into a different hedge if i leave them alone they grow chaotically and then they kill the flowers i don't want that so if you're a hedge and you're growing you can either wish that the hedge stays the same which is reasonable rational and it's what we all want to do or you might want to look at the ways you want to prune yourself to grow in future How do I do that in the confines of this place I'm in? What place do you think you're in? I'm aware we're in a church and I'm aware that you work as a sheriff's deputy, but I can't quite tell the ephemeral cage that concerns you the most. Just, just like this forever. Here, like forever? Well, here's one thing I may be actually able to give you some comfort about. It's not forever. You know what I've been told? Vampires live forever. You know how many vampires I've seen die in the last, like, three weeks? We lost, like, ten of them. As far as I can tell, it's not forever. This city won't be forever. Cleopatra wasn't forever. Nothing's forever on this earth. The most powerful beings in the history of time aren't here now. 
the greatest gods, if we assume they were real, which logically I have to because vampires and werewolves, the Viking gods were ruling the earth and throwing lightning and they're fucking gone. So impermanence is a factor for all of us, no matter how powerful, no matter how weak. There is no forever, there is change. So if you're afraid of forever, that one I think I can clear you on. If you're afraid of change, congratulations, you're mortal. That's why we come to this building every week. I, yeah, I just, I didn't expect anything to be like this, you know? Like, I feel like I've kind of lost my blueprint on life. Yeah, so maybe it's time to take a couple of architecture classes and put together the blueprint of your dream home. Right. Evangeline looks at Costas. See what he's been... What's he looking like? Costas is just watching Wrapped and just being like, this, this feels like it applies to me too. This, uh, things will change. I may have lost Tintin, but I will find someone else. Maybe there is an 11 11. Be even better for Costas. Maybe. <laughs> but but you you still have husband, yes? I mean, I think so. That means you do. Trust me, you know, and it's bad and it very hurt you deep in heart. Rip out much pain, no leave wood shop. Yeah. So maybe you be good officer. Maybe you try to do good. I don't have to be afraid of all bad. I didn't think about it that way. Bad guy may come, but maybe good days. Maybe no come. Maybe you shoot in head. Very nice for me. If you do, please. <laughs> Well, you seem to feel better, Casas, so... I feel better at this moment. I will go home and have problems for months. Let's be honest. No, Nothing of That's... this is, I have conversation, no mental health problem, all good. That's yeah. shit. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm feeling, too. Well, maybe we learned lesson today, and maybe you take me home now, so I don't have to be scared in dark on on. Okay. Um, th thank you. Sister, you Sister. have business card. You have be with phone number in case we have rough time. Need call. Yes, yes, I do. Uh, and she she produces two business cards and hands them over so that either of you can call her should you wish to have a future conversation. And she waves the flask towards you. She she doesn't want it back, so you can hang on to that. Oh. Uh, there, eventually, she'll just say you can return that if you if you have another reason to come around. Otherwise, have a couple of drinks and. I mean, a healthy amount. Don't try to escape into that. I don't need to open up new problems for you, but you seem <laughs> like you're well-balanced in that regard. Uh, uh, what do you do? I, I don't know. Do you do, like, services or something? What's the... Yes, the yes, I, I do. I do official services once a week on Sundays, but I'm also available 24 hours a day because I help with mortals and with others. So if you want to do a private session, you want to do a phone call, you want to swing by... Literally, walk in, the door is always open. Okay. Okay, thank you, sister. Uh, and 
Evangeline's just gonna she's gonna get up and leave while she like still feels okay about things. And Costas will will hobble after you, say, "Wait for me, wait for me." This oh, is... yeah, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. No, and no, no, you're doing you're doing great. This takes is really his arm. Good. And he walks outside, and he's like, "Do you think she was flying?" I don't know. I mean, while she was talking, it all sounded kind of hopeful, you know. Yes. And uh, now she's not talking. Well, maybe I have hope for you tonight, and then you have hope for me tomorrow if I have bad night. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Sure. And the two of you, with <sighs> Percy right at your heels, uh, begin the walk back to the Virgin Woodshop. Meanwhile, Everett, you desperately want to hurt someone. You're full of rage, and you have found five extra bodies. What do you do? Yeah. Uh, I get on the radio. I believe we all have radios. Yep. Uh, and I just say, Not uh, Doris, but everyone else does. Right. <laughs> uh, I'll get on the radio. I'll say, uh, everyone uh, come into the maid locker. Evangeline, you get that message, but it's going to take you a little longer to get there because you're down the street. But uh, do the other two of you report? <laughs> I think Doris would, Doris would look up at Val and just say, if I had to nickel for every time I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Val clicks back on the receiver. Is that an order, Sheriff? Uh... He'll, yeah, he'll take about as long as I'm taking to just, like, stew in that. (laughs) (laughs) And just looking at these five additional bodies, or just not even, is it clear to him which bodies don't belong? Yeah, it's the five on the end where he is. Basically, every every body had been tagged as you'd gone through the room. Even cursorily, you can look at these and be like, they're the closest to the exit. None of them have the tags. They're, They're clearly right there. Then I'd be I'd be trying to exit um, and and just kind of like you know hissing almost like yes just angrily into the into the radio. Oh dear, he's not in a very good mood, is he? Fucking told you so. Me? <laughs> yeah, I told you he was in a fucking mood. Okay, she walks over to meet him, Doris. Right, Everett. You said you'd stepped out of the trucks, so you were yeah. Yeah, so to picture these again, there are four freezer trucks set up in a U. They're all combined into one environment. Everett has come out the one on the furthest right side of the U, let's say. And then there are two visible police officers of the mortals side of the force in black cloaks with silver chainmail over silver forearm guards and silver neck guards who are armed and clearly there to make sure the scene is somewhat supervised through the day. So Everett steps out, pushing those giant rubber flaps out of the way with the cold, you know, air clouding around him. Adjectives are escaping me. Uh, But he steps out into the night uh, and you guys go forwards and meet him. Everett, you've still got the clipboard with the victims listed in your hand. Okay. Uh, as soon as you arrive, he'll say, there are five extra bodies in there not accounted for on this checklist. She'll look oh, at... F- okay. <laughs> Do we know them? Are they like us? Are they human? I didn't recognize them. Uh, would I have known 
whether they're human or kindred, just to look at them? Uh, they have to be human if there's a physical body, unless they were really recently turned kindred. Because the way we're playing this season, vampire has its own rules. But for us, it's when a vampire dies, they automatically accelerate to the point they would have rotted, which is why a hundred year old vampire turns to dust. Uh, these weren't pumpkin people. These seem to be uh, regular human bodies. Unless they were very recently turned, they are human. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't read that in my cards this morning. Uh, turning to these uh, two additional officers, uh, Everett will say, uh, has anyone come or gone since these bodies were loaded in here? The one with the chief deputy pin, or actually, sorry, a sergeant's pin steps forward and he just says, uh, no, I don't know about that, sir. We, we've been doing trade-offs, but we've had to do day and night while you were uh, helicoptering. I read the report and uh, the others were fighting through the hospital. So someone may have been able to get here, but no, no one should have moved the bodies in there. It's strange uh, that they're just keeping it out there in the open like this, like they wanted you to find them. Yeah, it, it strikes me as odd that, you know, keeping five bodies on one of these trucks with a, a checklist here. I mean, that's not going to stay secret for long. Uh, so someone's making a point. It's what I do. Or they're just what? not that smart, huh? Maybe thought they could sneak them in and we wouldn't count. I'm sorry, I'm Gordy Boucher. I don't know if you still need me here, but I'm part of this right now. Thanks, uh, Gordy. That's uh, That'll be all for now. Uh, Doris. Oh, Gordy turns and like goes back to take up his post, just yeah. to be clear. It's just the three yeah. of you now. Speaking of uh, what you would do, can you do anything, uh, I don't know, magical uh to help find out what's going on with these bodies here uh can i ryan can i uh, absolutely you dope. always can so <laughs> uh, doris would you go in alone to check this out would the rest of you go with her to look at the bodies what's your your vibe here Is i think she would just start gliding towards them beautiful yeah, I think uh, that, that would follow for sure. <laughs> Fry is visibly bothered still, so he would stay outside. I think, um, yeah, he would say, uh, "Go, go do your thing. I'll, I'll catch you up in a minute." Where is Clark? If Doris is inside. Val, would you answer, or are you just going in? Val would. Stop. She's warring with herself to be nice and not fucking pissed. She would turn around. Evangeline went to the church up the street. And then she will go back and follow Doris. I think Everett's anger takes him in that kind of direction. I think we were... This is almost exactly what happened last time when... Evangeline was captured and turned. She was alone. That time it was on my order. This time we all kind of agreed to stay together. And she's she's gone off somewhere. All righty. So Everett, you start stalking towards the church. Meanwhile, inside the freezer tent, uh, Doris, let's see what you can find off of these bodies. Yeah, I have sense the unseen. Great. Let's 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 roll with that. Yeah. Um 
Auspex. What is that? Oh, Auspex. Okay, got it. So I'm rolling three. All right. And you can push, should you so desire. Oh, yeah. How do I do that again? Uh, you roll a rouse check, okay. and you get to add a dice to the roll. All right. Cool. Dope. Um, so what's your rouse check? That's the it big was question. a six. Okay, so you, you're still fine. It doesn't burn any blood. You're just cool. souped up for this. All righty. Uh, so that's four dice, uh, three successes. Three successes. That's pretty good. Uh, normally, you'd be searching for magical energies, and you aren't finding any here, which is standing out to you as strange with these five bodies. Okay. Um, they're all in relatively good health. There's nothing telling there. The strangest thing you spot, though, is the bite marks on their neck. They have two fang punctures, which is odd because they aren't closed, which most vampires would do, which is literally like a lick of the tongue, they go away. Okay. Uh, and you don't feel any vampiric energy around those bite wounds. There's no feeling that a vampire actually did this. It stands out to you as something that's very strange and odd. Okay. Uh, right. So, um, then it makes sense in her mind that it's somebody pretending to be a vampire and uh, f trying to frame us for human death. Um, so, yeah. Did you say she, that to Val? Oh, yeah. She, she just turns to Val and says... Um, I think we have admirers. All right. So they've got holes where they shouldn't have holes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the holes are open. Mm hmm. So you're saying not vampires. That's indeed what I'm saying. I think we're being framed. Maybe the sergeant was right. Someone fucking stupid. Is there any way to tell who these people are? Do these these five extra bodies are these citizens? Are these so right know? now? If you had to guess, you would guess citizens. Um, mm. The challenge is they don't have any ID. They are as nude as all of the other bodies here, and they don't actually have any personal effects set with them. Everybody else, you can kind of go in the bag and underneath, you see the clothes that they were found in, if there was anything found alongside those bodies. These ones, there's no records, there's no names, there's no clothes. It's just five bodies on these cooler shelves. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, you are officers of the law. You can get this to a coroner to have these, like you could call a coroner to come take a look at it. You can take the fingerprints or anything else you want from the scene and go back and study those at the the central station. Uh, it's just a question. I think the question now realistically might be for you moving forwards is, do you want to call somebody here to deal with this or do you want to take info back to the station and have somebody else look at it? Like what would Val and Doris's next steps be? I mean, I think Doris would just be like, let's just get somebody else in here to, like, she has better things to do than fingerprint people back at the station. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think, think Val, Val, could, Val could call it in on the, the cop system. But I think as she did, she would first walk out to tell Everett, like, Sheriff Fry, we think that fucking, we're... <sighs> Where the fuck does everyone go? <laughs> I thought we weren't supposed to split up. Yeah, I fucking thought that too, didn't? Oh, mother. Oh, fuck this shit. Everyone's always so mad. And we cut to Everett, who is stalking towards Evangeline, Percy, and Costas. Howdy. I'm Everett Fry. 
I'm taking a little break from solving vampire crimes to talk to y'all about the Dumb Dumbs and Dice Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice, you can support these fine folks that bring you this show and other shows at a number of different levels. Well, hell, for just $1 a month, you get access to the patron-only Discord. Now, I don't know what a Discord is, but it's my understanding that it's a place where a bunch of the fans gather and hang out, and it's quite active. Hell, even some of the cast members show up on there, and they're quite active too. So if that uh, tickles your fancy into something you'd be interested in checking out, well, just head on over to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. What the hell's a Patreon? Evangeline, you see him coming. It's not like you're walking on a, a busy street or it's like it's just mm-hmm. sidewalk to sidewalk straight towards the scene closer to the Virgin Woodshop. Who, who would speak first? Uh, Evangeline would say um, very quickly, like Sheriff Fry got uh, kind of waves, like got your message received. Head- I'm heading back now. I am. That I think, I think Everett is out of sorts just because of the basement and how he's been acting. I think, I think because of how not cool in terms of like unflappable or, or nothing phases him, but cool in terms of just how neutral he tries to generally stay. Um, I think he can tell that he's like sick or something. So I think, Mm. I think Evangeline responding that way gives him a second to just breathe for a minute. This is still like hard for him. He still wants to punch someone, Um, but he'll take that. He'll take a beat and say, where were you? I was at the church with Costas here. She was helping me. I am very scared of everything. Costas. Good. He hasn't you... left his place since everything went down. Is that right? Yes, that's true. I don't know what bearing that has to this conversation, but yes, I am scared. Hold on. Do you have a uh, security camera footage uh, for your business? Do you no, have security I, cameras? I only I, I make wood. It's not worth stealing. It's it, it makes nice furniture. Of course. I would give it to someone if they were mad. Did you notice anyone coming or going who maybe didn't belong? Maybe someone saying they were an officer, but out of uniform um, or... Sh- sorry, Sheriff, just to interrupt. Could we maybe... What? Return... Oh, my. Could could we maybe just take a moment and return back to where Costas feels safe and have this discussion somewhere else where he can feel secure and not threatened by you? Yeah. 
yeah, that's a good idea. Costas, I'm uh, sorry about that. Clark, you need to let us know where you're going. When you're going places. She did have a phone call with one of your officers to say where we were. Right. Let's all go back. Are you okay? You seem scared too. I don't know. But we have some new developments uh, that I need to gather information on. Wait, what new developments? What's happening? We will talk about it, like Clark said, back at your business. Okay, okay, let's go back to the house now, please. Back to which up, back to which up, back to which up. Uh, and he's, Costas is now bouncing up and down, very fearful, very ready to go back to the woodshop. Oh, yeah. Um, Evan- Evangeline just says, okay, she, she just kind of takes his arm, like starts leading him to, back to the woodshop and, and, and just says, like, Costas, like, it's fine. New development that just means we're finding new evidence that's going to help us figure out who did this and make sure make sure that we're all safer in the future. That's all that it means, okay? Okay, so it's not a new thing. It's just the old thing. It's, it's, it's just... It's just all part of what happened. We're just okay. putting together the pieces. That's just the way we talk. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. It's, I'm more protected. I'm more protected. Yes. Sheriff, can you hold my other arm? Uh, Costas, that's, and, and Evangeline looks kind of back and like, kind of stares daggers at Everett for like, taking away this nice moment that she's had, like, she's really fucking pissed about that. Um, and, uh, and, and just says, look, Costas, I've, I've got, I've got both your arms, it's fine. And she kind of wraps one arm around his shoulder and and holds the other arm as well. This is nice. This is uh, this is nice. Uh, and the two of you get to trundle back to the Virgin Woodshop, where now, when they arrive, Val and Doris, you find Everett, Evangeline, Costas, and Percy all walking onto the scene with Everett getting some dirty ass looks. I think we can safely say those continue during the walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're heading into the woodshop. Do you join them? Do you say anything? It, it looks like they're heading in there. Val would finish. I think she would have called back to the station to ask for people and also put the sergeant and the other cop on it, like fingerprint things, help the <laughs> coroner when he arrives, like, <laughs> ma- like make yourself fucking useful. <laughs> Just yelling at these people. So it turns out there are actually four officers on the scene. Barty's requirement of traveling in groups of four holds up so two of the officers including gordy boucher who's a sergeant who's taking this very seriously go in to start collecting all of the identifying information they can uh from the central police station the only help you get is from troy because he's the only person on the night desk so he's like okay i'll I'll drive the hearse out and then we can get it to the general hospital to get the information you need uh so he's now going to get the ambulance uh to, to make an emt trip which is good because some of the emts in town are undergoing treatment to avoid their cocaine addiction that was brought up in previous episodes. So it's it's slowing them down for a moment. Yep, there's an EMT who has a coke addict. He's just getting treatment. It's good. It's a nice town. That's good. That's good. <laughs> it's good for him and for us. Yep. So Troy has to do that. Uh, and then you all end up inside the Virgin Woodshop with Costas. 
Uh, um, Doris will raise a hand, looking at Everett. Yeah. Um, if I may, sir, um, the bodies, well... Evangeline just, like, she cuts right into here. It's just, I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uh, Officer Barbara. Costas, uh, we really thank you for letting us use your space. Um, is there perhaps somewhere where you can go to maybe rest? Or there's a lot of stuff we're going to be discussing here. And, and honestly, you don't need to hear all of this. Today's been a hard enough day as it is. Well, I thought you said that this would just be new information, nothing worse. Is this something worse? No, no, no nothing worse. But remember how you know, Sheriff Fry said there had been some you know, developments and you got nervous. We talk in a very specific way, using very technical terms that may make things sound worse than they are. And I don't want you to get unnecessarily worried about anything when there's nothing for you to worry about. I think we've officially reached the point of a role, which yeah. is definitely manipulation <laughs> and persuasion. For sure. But you get to use your newfound bonus in deception. You're learning to lie more carefully to the people that you care about and the people you don't. And it seems like you care about Costas. So let's see if you can convince him nothing is happening. I do care. All right. That is uh, uh, three successes. Three successes is enough to convince Costas because he trusts you very, very much. (laughs) So he is going to putter around and make sure that everyone has a comfortable chair. You can have any chair from this. Oh, no, there's a broken chair. I don't know this. I'm so embarrassed. Uh, It is the chair that you smashed, Val, when you came out of the basement, (laughs) which Costas assumed must have fallen apart and is just mortified. Uh, There are a ton of different kinds of chairs for you all to be able to sit inside this room. It is lit by a single lamp sitting on a table, but it's more than enough for all of your vampiric senses. If you look around, again, it's a it's a menagerie of different pieces of furniture. Costas clearly creates things whenever he wants, however he wants. He's not an Ikea trying to mass produce furniture. What style of chair would each of you choose from Costas's gallery? Comfy. Amazing. You get a huge plush chair. It's, <laughs> right. it's a combo beanbag wicker frame. Fantastic. Super comfy, wow. super supportive. She sits right in the middle, cross-legged. Belle would pick a stool that she can have one foot on the ground, half a butt cheek on the stool, <laughs> leaned over like a gremlin, just like. <laughs> Beautiful. He's got like a nice oak bar stool that he's put together. And without a bar, it's exactly the position you want. There you go. Uh, Evangeline would do a quick scan and look for something that Costas had obviously put, you know, a lot of care into, whether it was like something that was ornate or had some sort of you know woodworking carving into it that seemed like it may have been special or significant yeah costas is going to glance from you to the rocking chair he was sitting in before Mm. and then back to you and evangeline kind of gestures towards it looks at him may i Oh, and he, he's he's so honored. Yeah. It's he, if, if he could blush, he would. Instead, flakes fall off of his face. Uh, but he is going to reach down and just take the two blocks that he had used to prevent it from rocking so it can actually rock. You sit down, it's super comfortable, and it's silent, even though it's moving mm. on the floor. It's so well made. Uh, and then Costas turns to look at Everett with fear in his eyes. 
Wen die nur? I think Everett just picks the closest chair. Doesn't matter what it is. Great. Everett's got a short stool. It's yep. not it's not a full bar stool, but it's enough that you can sit on it in a, a bit of a squat. And Costas is just going to bolt upstairs. Uh, there's the basement where the massacre took place. There's the main floor. That's the store. And then the upper floor, as you'd seen from the outside, had been made more homey. So you'd assume it's mm-hmm. an apartment of some kind. Uh, the store is yours to have your conversation now. She's going to Dor- raise her hand again. <laughs> Doris, what uh, what did you find? If I may continue. Um, well, we have admirers who want to be like us, sir. What do you mean? Well, there were holes in their necks where there shouldn't be holes. And I think someone made them who weren't kindred. You think someone who's not a vampire bit those folks? To, to make it look like a vampire attack? Precisely. If you think about it, it makes sense. Why does it make sense? Doesn't it make sense to anyone else? This episode of Blood and Syrup features the voices of Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Claire Blackwood at Claire Blackwood on Twitter, Del Borvik at Deltastic on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, and storyteller Ryan LaPlante at The Ryan LaPlante on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and Blood and Syrup's artwork was created by Del Borvik at delborvik.com. That's D-E-L-B-O-R-O-V-I-C. Our theme songs are What's Really Going On Right Now by Chase Allen Willis and Traffic by Kai Engel. And our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. All of their music is available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com, our Twitter and Instagram at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We also have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Sleep well, my kindred. Sleep well in this world of darkness. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. The Half-Blind Prophet, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, Richard Cranium, Sammy Boy, Orion Birchfield, Scott Garland, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Acrix, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Roman Brown, Shulzari, Christian Mendez, Spot Allen, Flynn 1138, Alorain Okapi, OMG It's Big Nick, Steve Weeze, D&D and Things, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.